It's that time, the Betting Predators Podcast, where our main objective is hunting down the best bets for you. I'm your host, Sleepy Jay. You guys can find me on Twitter at SleepyJ underscore pregame. Joined here by the NBA expert, the NBA fanatic, Jay Smoove. You guys can find him on Twitter as well at Smoove underscore 702. And you can find us both on the best sports betting information site on the web, pregame.com. All right, guys, here we go. NBA Finals Game 1 has now wrapped up. Phoenix Suns get the 118-105 win. They go ahead and take a 1-0 lead in this series. Smooth and I, we're going to go ahead. We're going to talk about uh, what we saw in Game 1. Big news coming in this one. Giannis actually plays. I didn't expect that. I guess he got listed from doubtful to questionable earlier on this afternoon. And there were some rumblings. Somebody actually sent me a message and said that there was a good chance that Giannis might play. I didn't necessarily believe it until I saw it. Sure enough, we saw it. Giannis goes out, plays 35 minutes, and ends up having a pretty good game. He puts up 20 points, 17 rebounds. But I want to go on a quick rant here. I think the NBA, they didn't do any favors for the Bucks going into this finals. Uh, that team, you know, they played, what, 18 games. They just played a couple of days ago, wrapped up a tough series against the Hawks, and then they get this quick turnaround. And if you looked at the Bucks tonight, in this game, it looked like middle way of the third quarter. They just looked worn out. And the Suns, they were coming off of five days rest. And quote-unquote schedule that was supposed to come out, the finals were supposed to start on Thursday. And that's not the case. You know, they started today. And I felt like the Bucks just, they weren't ready physically, you know, going into this game. And I felt like, you know, had they given them a couple extra days rest, the fact that we saw Giannis tonight, who knows what he would have looked like. No, we might actually had a, a pretty good game tonight. I don't think this game was very good. I thought this game was actually, you know, the blowout that kind of, you know, was taking place where the Suns were up 20. So let's talk about the rest factor. I want to talk about that first because I do think that that's one of the big stories coming out of this game, at least for me. You know, what did you see energy-wise from the Bucks? Do you believe the same that I believe here, you know, that the Bucks needed a couple extra days rest, you know, in order to look a little bit more competitive in this game? Yeah, um, the Bucks they just kind of reminded me a lot of how the Clippers looked coming off their seven-game uh, series against the Jazz going into game one uh, against Phoenix at Phoenix to where, you know, first two quarters, um, maybe a little, you know, a little bit of time in that third quarter as well to where they was able to keep up, you know, for a little bit and then, you know, the just ran out of gas, you know, towards the, you know, um, towards the second half, uh, especially going into the fourth quarter, um, CP3 was able to take over and you know, kind of, you know, separate it, you know, from Milwaukee, um, got up by as much as 20, you know, even the, even though the, you know, Milwaukee made a little bit of a run, you know, later in that half, uh, Phoenix still, you know, pretty much had command and control of that game, uh, especially in that second half. So yeah, rest disadvantage for me. I definitely think it played a, played a factor in it. Um, I think that was another reason why earlier, you know, in the podcast that we did, you know, the other day kind of liked Phoenix more in the second half, uh, just compare, you know, for the whole game, um, you know, and that was a, a good winner as well as some other picks that we gave out, out of that pod. So, you know, just a, a dominant performance from Phoenix in the second half, you know, led by Chris Paul. He was amazing once again. And He's playing, you know, pretty simple basketball. If teams are playing that drop style of uh, defensive coverage, when he's coming off of that pick, allowing him to get to his spot, he's going to kill you every time or at least enough to, you know, uh, win the game. And 
You know, we've seen him do it time and time again in these playoffs, whether it was against the Clippers, the Lakers, or the Nuggets. Um, you know, he's he's a master in that area, and uh, Milwaukee's going to have to make an adjustment for that uh, for game two. You know, one of the things that I was looking at here, Smooth, is that, you know, this is going to be the Bucks' fifth road game out of their last six games. And one of the reasons why, you know, I, I do feel bad for the Bucks, and I think this story probably comes out, you know, tomorrow that that they didn't have enough rest. They just played two games against the Hawks uh, in game, what were they, game three, game four. They go back home, and then game five they play in Atlanta or game six. So it was like, well, they just came off the road going, you know, to Atlanta, come back home, and then right back on the road again. And now they have to play another road game. So back-to-back road games, you know, ending a series, starting a series. And I really felt like that to me was was one of the big stories because if you watch the game midway through that third quarter the bucks just look whipped they didn't seem like you know they had that fear of the deer kind of you know buzzsaw speed that they normally have where they're running up and down and they can go on you know big runs and i know some of that probably had to do with Giannis, you know not being 100% healthy and being out there you know for his normal 38 39 40 minutes i mean he did play 35 but it seemed like they were pulling him out you know more often than not when they really needed that spurt and it just at some point it just seemed like they, they just they, their energy just drained no going to the next game you know it, it's two more days and it's another road game for the bucks so i will question you know their rest factor going into that one for sure let's go ahead and talk about cp3 though i mean he goes out tonight he has an amazing game 32 points but smooth he didn't make a basket in the entire first quarter and it took him until around the eight minute mark to go ahead and get his first bucket so in reality, Chris Paul scored 32 points in 25 minutes. Effective from the free throw line, he was 4 for 4 from there. Uh, really good from the three-point line. We gave that out on the betting predators. Uh, threes over for Chris Paul. Uh, that ended up cashing. I think he made four. But it seemed like that mid-range, and we talked about this on the last podcast there, Smooth, that they had to do something to go ahead and not let him get to his mark because he's just way too consistent. And although he didn't get that shot to go down early in the game, you know, he started to get it going there, you know, in the second half. And it was pretty much, I don't want to say it was unstoppable, but it was pretty much unstoppable. He was out there doing what he wanted to do. You and I talked about that being a, uh, you know, a problem area, maybe for the Bucks, maybe with a Lopez. And I don't know if it was a second quarter move or not, or if, when you caught, when they, they mentioned it, the announcers, but they were like, they'll do this all day. They'll, they'll, they'll definitely take, you know, the CP3 matchup. And then it wasn't just that. It was like Devin Booker came right down again. Boom. He was doing the same thing. And they're like, they got to do something. They got to do something. Or they're, they're, these two are going to torture him. So I know you saw that, but is there, an, is there an adjustment that the Bucks could make going into game two, you know, to prevent that? Because they can't allow that to happen again because they'll get blown out again. Um, would, that would be my assumption. So, you know, did you see that take place? Did you hear the announcer say that? And what, in your opinion, could the Bucks do to go ahead and try to slow that down? Yeah, I heard the announcers uh, mention that quite a bit. And then even after the game, um, I heard Chris Paul talking about it. And they were just asking about, you know, when he decided to be aggressive pretty much. And he just said that he was just missing that shot earlier in the game when he did take it. You know, in the second half when he got rolling, he just started knocking that shot down. And because of the area where he's operating, um, we talked about this earlier, it's kind of like that area where, you know, Kobe um, would operate in that, you know, top of the key 
around the elbows, you know, free throw line extended area. Um, that's the hardest place to try to send help or a double team because, you know, the offensive player with the ball in his hands, you know, he can see everywhere on the floor and just sending help in that area, you know, puts the defense at a tough spot to cover a lot of space with not as many bodies. So you get a guy like, you know, Chris Paul, who's, you know, very comfortable operating in that area to where he doesn't have to get all the way to the basket to finish and he can just pull up and raise up and shoot his shot, you know, kind of like from the same area where, where Kobe would operate. Um, you're kind of at his mercy to where you just have to hope he misses it or, you know, give a, a good contest without fouling him because he's also crafty at, at drawing fouls and getting to the free throw line, you know, with him being an 80 plus percent, you know, a free throw shooter. Um, so there, there isn't many adjustments I see Milwaukee can make other than, you know, not playing that drop style of, uh, you know, defensive coverage with, with who, whichever, you know, big man that, you know, Phoenix is, is, uh, is pointing out to, you know, to set that screen for Chris Paul. But then on the backside of that, you, you know, you have to rely on, you know, quicker rotation to take, you know, lobs away, you know, from the basket um, when DeAndre Aiden rolls to the basket. And he's also playing like a monster too. So it's kind of a, it's, it's a, you know, it's kind of a pick your poison type of spot that Milwaukee's in um, trying to, uh, you know, control that, you know, pick and roll action in that area of the floor from Chris Paul and the Phoenix Suns. You know, as I'm looking through here, I'm looking through the box score, the player that they were talking about, you know, that was being exposed, you know, was Brooke Lopez. And I went through and I'm looking here. Uh, this is he's tied for the least amount of minutes he played out of any game throughout the entire playoffs. He only played 23 minutes tonight. Now, he's been effective shooting the basketball, you know, the last couple of times he's been on the court. But it seems as if that's the matchup that, um, you know, Chris Paul and probably Booker are trying to take advantage of. So. Maybe something that we want to look at here might be Brooke Lopez, maybe his points, rebounds, and assists, uh, maybe under, you know, for the next game because uh, we've seen this before where they talked about, you know, Lopez being a liability on defense, and then you see the insertion of, you know, Portis, uh, you know, the younger, more athletic type of guy, you know, a little bit smaller. But maybe we see that, and maybe Coach Bud goes and he says, let me, you know, go and, and try this because he's got to try something different. Because if you can't stop Chris Paul and you can't stop Booker, you know, in that area, um, you're in for a long night. So we'll see how, you know, we'll see how they all, you know, go ahead and, and change things up. Uh, let's talk a little bit about, I want to save Aiton because I think there's something that a lot of people missed with him. But I do want to talk about him for, you know, a little bit. But why don't we talk about Giannis? I was shocked move that he came back. You and I, we did our, our podcast the other day and we said we felt like he would come back game two. And I felt really comfortable with that prediction because you and I kind of both agreed we got to get him on the floor at some at some point before they either go down 0-2 or before they go back to Milwaukee and try to figure it out like they needed to figure out their game. So clearly, this is going to be a help for Milwaukee, the fact that, well, we know what we have from Giannis right now and we don't have to try to figure this out on the fly. So my feeling is he looked pretty good, you know, but I don't but I didn't see that explosion from him tonight. And that worries me uh, because, you know, the Bucks like to run and he didn't look like he was running his normal Giannis, like where he can, you know, go 90 feet in, you know, four five, six seconds and, and go dunk it right in your face. Like we didn't see that particular Giannis, but he was effective. 
I'm going to go out and just say that it seemed like he was probably operating at around 70% smooth, which um, that was pretty good. I was glad that he played because I figured without him, this series probably doesn't go past five games. But it looks like the odds makers right now aren't really accounting for Giannis being that they put the line at five and a half. So I don't know what the hell the odds makers are doing. If Giannis is playing, this line should be somewhere around minus three. So it seems to me, even with a Giannis that's at 70, maybe 80% move, that we're probably getting some value just in the line. Maybe the blowout tonight had something to do with that. But why don't you talk a little bit about Giannis? You know, how did you think he looked? You know, what percentage would you say he was playing at? Uh, was there any particular area that you thought that he looked normal? And then there was there a particular area that you felt that he just wasn't himself? Uh, because clearly, from what I saw, he just didn't have that explosion tonight. So um, that's what I saw. What did you see? Yeah, I was very uh, shocked that he was playing tonight as well. Um, just going back to how we, you know, talked about on the last podcast where the line opened up at and the and the series price and all of that. You know, we pretty much felt that it was that way because Giannis wasn't going to play, and then um, you know he ends up playing. And you know, I saw it a little bit different, um, kind of like how. You know, seeing, you know, Trey Young come back, you know, with Atlanta after he had missed a couple of games. Um, and we talked about, you know, game two would be the smartest game for him to come back, um, you know, in the series. But uh, it never crossed my mind that, you know, trying to get out there for game one could it be could be even better. Because it, it did kind of look a little bit as a, a fill-out game for Giannis to see, you know, um, how he would, you know, react, you know, with, you know, running, cutting, cutting and, and jumping and all the things that he needs to do to be effective on the court and play his style of basketball. Um, you know, he did have a chase down block. Um, I forget who it was against, but it was kind of like a, a, a reminder of a, a LeBron James chase down block where he didn't really, you know, favor his leg or anything like that. So he looked to be moving pretty well. And, you know, something else that I looked at to see, you know, how, um, how much he would be bothered by, you know, the injury or not bothered by, you know, was the amount of minutes he played. And they played 35 minutes. And I think if the game was a little bit closer or if they had a better shot at, at winning in the second half, uh, he probably would have got, a, you know, close to 40 or maybe over 40 minutes. But, um, you know, being down by 20 in the second half, game was pretty much, you know, in Phoenix's favor. And then, you know, they, you know, just got him out of there. But, I think game two, um, it could be a lot better. You know, that game, you know, that first game back for a superstar of his caliber, you know, it takes some time for him to get used to being back on the court, especially getting his win back, you know, not playing for a week. Then also his teammates around him, you know, got to get reacclimated back into, you know, him being out there as well. I think one of the players that suffered the most from that was probably Drew Holiday. You know, he was really effective and aggressive the last two games without him. Tonight, not so much. He only went 4-14, scored 10 points. It's kind of non-existent and, you know, really lost that that battle in the uh, that battle in the point guard matchup with Chris Paul tonight. So uh, maybe he comes out and, you know, be's a little, and he's a little bit more aggressive as well. But, um, yeah, like you said, you know, I think it's pretty crazy that now that we know Giannis is going to be out there for game two and, you know, line open up for game two on pregame right now, five and a half. 
not really making a, an adjustment for Giannis being out there. I kind of look to look to play Milwaukee for game two, but you know nothing official quite yet. But gonna obviously do you know some more looking into it. But that would be you know something that that jumps out to me as well. You know, looking from you know the line from game one uh, going to game two, and you know Giannis being about worth about four or five points to the line himself. And it's really no adjustment for it. So that's something that's eye-opening to me right now. Yeah, I mean, if you ask, you know, any of the sharp guys that make numbers for players, they're going to tell you that Giannis is worth, you know, five points at a minimum, you know, up to maybe six and a quarter. So, I mean, it's like they're not – I mean, are they factoring the blowout, you know, into that into that number? But um, it just seems crazy. Like, in my opinion, the line can't be right, um, you know, with the Bucks being down. Generally, if a team – let's just say they were, you know, four and a half point underdogs on the road in game one and they lose, you know, that next game, sometimes you even see, you know, a pick em surface or, you know, maybe a plus one for for that underdog team. But for them to not really adjust this line at all um, is quite shocking. I think the big thing that we have to take into consideration is because we expected him back for game two. So I don't know where we thought that, because you and I, we liked the Suns and we, we kind of thought, that um, Giannis wasn't going to play. And I think you and I probably kind of expected maybe the the result we saw tonight for game one minus Giannis. But now that Giannis plays, you know, what do we think for game two? And not only that, how much stock do we have to put into the fact that he played, the fact that he tested himself? But there has to be a confidence factor for Giannis because – you know, and, and how many times have you, have you had injuries move where you went out there and you did things that you probably thought that you couldn't do, you know, on an injured ankle or, or with an injured wrist or a shoulder. Giannis was doing things out there tonight, in my opinion, that he probably didn't think that he was able to do until he actually went out there and did them. So I think he comes in really confident in the next game. And I think that the team comes in confident knowing that that they don't have to scramble you know, maybe like we were talking about that they were going to have to do once he got inserted back into the lineup. So I think there's just a lot of positives right now, probably for the Bucks heading into game two. I think the biggest negative for them, and I mentioned it in the beginning of the podcast, was the rest factor. I think that that is going to be one of their biggest issues. Because if you looked at the players tonight on the floor, the Phoenix Suns look like the, the much healthier, faster team. I mean, campaign was out there running around. Uh, he looked like he was at a track meet. There was nobody out there that could even hang with that guy. Um, you know, late in the third quarter, it was just like these guys are they're not even anywhere near the energy level of what this guy is right now. But I want you to go ahead and answer that question. How, how do you think Giannis feels going into this next game? Do you feel that he's going to be confident? Like I felt he was at 70 percent. I wouldn't be shocked if we see a 90 percent Giannis. And if a 90% Giannis is on the floor in game two, they're certainly good enough to win the game. So uh, where would you put him, you know, mentally and physically maybe going into the next game, at least, you know, with, with your handicap? Yeah, I think he has to be feeling pretty good about what he was able to do out there on the court. Um, there's a couple plays that stick out in my mind, you know, early in the first half to where um, he either got the ball on the break or down on the block and, um, he was being guarded by DeAndre Aiden and he, you know, went through his chest and, and got a nice dunk. Um, so those are some things that, you know, we would see Giannis do, you know, when we knew that he was, you know, healthy or not dealing with uh, the knee injury that he has right now. 
So for him to go out there and, and to do that, you know, after not being out there for, you know, at least a week and, you know, having a serious looking, you know, leg injury, you know, that he had, um, he's got to feel pretty confident and, and excited, you know, and looking forward to play game two and just hearing him, you know, speak uh, about, you know, what he had to, you know, go through and deal with um, in his in his press conference, you know, after the game. You know, he felt that he, you know, he, he said he felt that he might have broke his leg and been out for a year. But, you know, he stated that he doesn't feel any pain. Um, you know, he feels good. And, you know, he said that over and over again. So, um, you know, I guess you got to, I would, you know, take him at his word for it, you know, given that he played, you know, 35 plus minutes and, you know, did some things out there that we see Giannis do on the regular. So, you know, with him being able to get some more treatment and, you know, getting ready to go for, you know, Thursday's game two, you know, I think we'll see, you know, a little bit more aggressive Giannis and, you know, hopefully, uh, you know, guys around him, you know, like uh, Drew Holiday can, you know, still, you know, find a way to be aggressive with him out there on the court because as good as Giannis, you know, we think we expect him to be, um, I don't think that they have a chance of, of winning, you know, game two if Drew Holiday is going to have the type of performance that he had tonight. Yeah, I certainly don't see Holiday going out and having another game like that. Now, I want to circle back to something that you brought up, and I don't know if you mentioned this on the podcast move or if it was just you and I talking offline, but you had mentioned that somebody close to Giannis said that he was a quick healer, and I don't know if that was somebody like that was really close close to him, but if if somebody's a quick healer physically, you're also a quick healer mentally. And I think those, that, that that type of combination is it's something that that tells me that Giannis it can do both, and a lot of that is that you know going out there and playing the way that he played tonight, like that's the thing that like champions are made of. They're going to go out there and they're going to play. They're going to test themselves. And if what you said, Smooth, was right, and I'm guessing it probably is because a lot of people didn't expect him to play, that he is a quick killer physically that he's probably also a quick healer mentally. And I, I, I really feel confident that um, that we do see probably a 90% Giannis. And if that's the case, Smooth, where would you put this line? Because you and I are both in agreement right now that that five and a half just isn't right. But if you're going to get a 90% Giannis and you're going to get a Bucks, let's just say with you know a, a day's rest where they don't have to hop on a plane, like they're actually going to feel probably a little bit normal getting a full day's rest. I would make this line maybe somewhere around Suns minus two. Um, and I think a lot of that might have to do with one, the adjustments that the Bucks have to make, you know, getting CP3 and getting Booker out of that paint. But I also think that maybe the Suns come in here a little bit too, I don't want to say cocky, but I think maybe they come in here a little bit too full of themselves being like, yo, we blew these dudes out. We were up by 20. They don't stand a chance against us. So with all those things um, considered, I find it hard handicapping this game's move to fall back on the Suns. So I would make my line right now Phoenix minus two with everything that I'm thinking about, everything considered, and how I'm handicapping Giannis. You know, where would you put your line right now um, going into game two? Yeah, I would have around the same, like Phoenix either, you know, somewhere between minus one and a half to minus two. Um, you know, knowing that, like I stated before, knowing that we're going to have Giannis out there and, 
you know, they're not coming off and the Bucks aren't coming off of a, you know, a tough, you know, six game series and that as quick a turnaround as they had. Um, I think it's going to be a, a lot similar to game two of the Western Conference Finals, you know, back with the Suns and, and the Clippers and how close and back and forth that that game was. Uh, we kind of saw some of that in the first half uh, where the game was still kind of close in so many different uh, lead changes or when Phoenix would try to get up by as much as six or eight points. Milwaukee would, you know, answer right back and, you know, cut it down to two or tie the game back up. So I think that's something that'll be, you know, throughout the whole game for game two. And, you know, just seeing that this line, you know, just opening up at five and a half again, um, I think that's a lot of value on Milwaukee. And, you know, we just see this, you know, um, a lot throughout the playoffs where, you know, the team that loses um, going into the next game, um, you know, they're the one that's going to be a little bit more desperate and, you know, making the adjustments to, to try to get a win. And, not necessarily, you know, backing too much of the zigzag theory because it, that hasn't been as profitable uh, lately, especially in, in these in these playoffs runs. But I think this would be a good spot for it, you know, knowing that, you know, you're going to see Giannis, you're going to see the adjustments made by Milwaukee. Uh, you may see a better play out of Drew Holiday, and you may see, you know, better, uh, uh, more aggressive play, you know, out of Giannis and possibly playing more than his 35 minutes that he did in game one. So, you know, I, I agree with you that, you know, it, it could be difficult to back, you know, Phoenix again. Um, but, yeah, I'm, I'm leaning towards looking at Milwaukee for game two as well. Now, we mentioned a whole slew of players so far, but I think the one guy that we do have to talk about here smooth is, is DeAndre Ayton. That dude has turned over some type of leaf. I don't know if he got an extra battery. I don't know what happened, but that dude's playing – in my opinion, probably like the third best big maybe in the league. Um, throughout these playoffs, he's been nothing short of an impact player each and every night. I mean, what did he do tonight? 20 points or 22 points, 19 rebounds. Um, if he's not I, – I don't want to say it this way, but I will. If he's playing like he played during the regular season, I don't know if the Suns are here right now looking as good as they look. Maybe they're here but there's no way that they're going to look as good as they looked. But, like, this dude right now is – he's just making an impact on the floor for every minute that he's out there. I don't know what his plus-minus is, and, and to be honest with you, um, I don't really look at plus-minus as being something important because if you lose the game, um, it, it looks negative. I, I That's one stat that I don't look at, but um, I, I'm just curious, like, you know, what the Suns look like with this dude on the floor doing the things that he's doing right now. You know, what what stats, like, or is this guy racking up? Because he's, he's just doing his thing. And I felt like, you know, this is something that a lot of people missed on. And it's something that I, I haven't heard anybody really say, but, like, this is a legit big three. And right now, you know, they're playing, like, a legit big three at the most important time. So, I don't know what you've seen from Aiton. I'll touch on this in a minute about a uh, about an interview that I heard the other day, and maybe it's as simple as that, you know. But I don't know right now with what, what you're seeing from Aiton and his play right now. Um, you know, how did he take it to this next level? What is he doing, at least from you know from your from your perspective, that he's just having so much success right now because he looks big, he looks strong, and he just looks like there's nobody that's out there that's able to to stop him. 
for me, he's been impressive, not so much of, you know, the numbers that he's putting up, but just the consistency that he's doing it, you know, on a night to night basis pretty much uh, now. And especially as they as Phoenix advances throughout the playoffs, um, you know, being on bigger stages and, you know, the light being brighter on you and more under uh, uh, under a microscope, he's being more consistent. But uh, he did to me, he did show flashes of this type of play throughout the regular season a little bit up and down, but, you know, I think it's been a number of different factors that contribute to him, you know, playing as well as he's playing right now. Um, you know, this is what his third, maybe fourth year, I believe in the league, I think third. So he's getting a little bit more comfortable there, you know, getting more comfortable with the NBA game, you know, more comfortable in his role. And then another credit, um, to, to Chris Paul, um, this isn't anything new to me that, you know, seeing, a big like DeAndre Aiden played well, you know, alongside Chris Paul, um, going all the way back to his New Orleans days when he played with Tyson Chandler or to his Lob City days when he played with DeAndre uh, DeAndre Jordan. Um, I think the only year that DeAndre Jordan made an all-star team uh, was, was with Chris Paul, and he was at the top of his game, you know, in his prime as far as health-wise and everything else. And when everything clicked, you know, with DeAndre Jordan playing with Chris Paul, he was doing a lot of the same things we're seeing DeAndre Ayton do, but I think Ayton is a little is a has more you know of an offensive package in his game than DeAndre Jordan did, but you know he's he's following that same um, that same path as those other bigs, athletic bigs that play with Chris Paul. Even his short time in Houston when he played with Capella, you know we saw you know Capella you know break out and and, and did what he did. Um, so you know. And then credit DeAndre Aiden for, you know, uh, accepting his role and, you know, playing it, you know, to to a high level. And he turned, you know, Phoenix into a, a legitimate big three. But also another factor that he brings to that team um, is that with him being a big, you know, you, you hear a lot of talk about bigs in today's game kind of being extinct or non-existent or, you know, just being, you know, singled out because they're bigs and they don't really play that well on a perimeter. But Aiden allows Phoenix to, you know, either play big or match up with other teams' small lineups because he can play on the perimeter and, you know, uh, chase around some guards and contest shots and and block shots and still get in the play uh, and and rebound and, you know, help his team out that way too. So he brings a lot of versatility to this team and, um, you know, he continues to play this way. It's going to be really hard for, you know, Milwaukee to make the adjustments you know, that they need to make because so much attention goes to Chris Paul and Devin Booker already. So, you know, you get DeAndre Aiden having, you know, pretty much a 2020 game, you know, it's a, you're in a tough spot. Yeah. And as you were talking, as you were just saying that, I was just thinking if he can continue to play this way and they could find another, maybe a wing player, uh, I don't want to throw shade on Crowder, but I think Crowder, you know, has probably seen some of his better days, you know, shooting the basketball, but I think if they could find a shooter for this team, you know, outside of Booker, you know, just like like a big forward, a guy that can shoot, they could be a tough team to deal with, you know, over the next couple of years. It might be, yeah, we win the title this year, but next year, you know, maybe they get a pickup or something like that. And it's like, wow, they look really scary right now, especially with somebody like Aiton going out there doing his thing. But he is playing like a true big man, and it's, it's good to see him going out there doing his thing. But I do want to circle back. As I mentioned, there was an interview, and it was Cam Johnson the other day, and he had talked uh, to Colin Coward, and Colin actually brought up 
you know, DeAndre and it was like, you know, like what's going on with this guy? How did he get so good so quick? Like what's the story with him? And Cam Johnson just said it was pretty simple. He said that this dude is just working on his craft. He's perfecting his craft and he's doing what he's told and he's working extremely hard and he's taking all the pointers from Chris Paul and taking pointers from the coach and, and just really just working on that and just, you know, it just muscle memory, I think was one of the words that um, Cam Johnson had used and it's just repetition and everything that he's doing is just out there working. So, you know, Aiton has grown before our eyes and he's getting good. And you got to wonder if he's working this hard right now, if he continues to work hard, you know, could he end up getting to like that MB type of level or maybe, you know, to like that Jokic type of level where we're talking about him, you know, being one of the three best big men, you know, in the league. And if that's the case, you know, this Suns team becomes, uh, they become pretty scary. So, Smooth, before we go ahead and wrap up the pot, I do want to talk a little bit about some of the stats for this particular game. You know, as we were talking, you and I were going through, we're looking at the box score, and we were we're looking and we're like, you know what, this game looks kind of even. And I said, but they were down 20. And we don't know exactly what the stats look like, you know, when they when they were actually down 20. You know, did they lose the rebounding battle because – you know, the Bucks won the rebounding battle by four. You know, did they lose the assist battle uh, at that when they were down by 20? But they ended up winning, you know, that particular area as well. The Bucks didn't go out there and lose, you know, believe it or not, a whole lot of areas. They actually shot more threes, made more threes, you know, than Phoenix in this game. So we were digging through there, Smooth, and you noticed one particular area that really just kind of just said, you know, here was the story of the game. Here's one of the reasons why the Bucks had so much trouble going ahead and climbing back in. And that was the free throw line. You want to talk about, you know, what you saw at the free throw line from the Suns tonight or or the Bucks for that matter? Yeah, it was a big discrepancy. Um, and Phoenix, they're, uh, you know, one of the better free throw shooting teams in the league already. So when you're, you know, sending them to the line, you know, 25, 26 times, um, you know, it's, it's, it's pretty tough, especially, you know, a lot of those fouls were against guys like, uh, Chris Paul and uh, Devin Booker, you know, I think Devin Booker shot close to 10 free throws in the first half alone. Um, so when you get a guy like that to the free throw line, it also allows him to get in a, a type of scoring rhythm later on in the game, and which we saw a little bit out of him uh, before Chris Paul took over. But I also think that, you know, going back to the rest disadvantage, you know, with Milwaukee being a, a little bit tired, um, had something to do with it as well. You know, when you're tired, you know, some the first thing to go is, you know, your focus, you know, on the defensive end and whether you get caught, you know, out of position and give up some easy baskets or you're, you know, like a step or a step or something behind, you know, and you end up, you know, fouling or holding or grabbing or something like that, which, uh, you know, we saw the Milwaukee do, you know, quite a bit tonight, um, you know, sending uh, Phoenix to the line. And, you know, you look at them losing by, you know, 13, getting down by as much as 20. You know, they lost at the free throw line. It was minus 16. Um, So even when, you know, Milwaukee did get to the line, you know, the 16 times that they did, they shot less than, you know, uh, 60%, you know, which is terrible. Um, And, you know, some of that, you know, most of that had to do with, you know, you have, you know, a free throw shooter and Giannis going to the line more than, you know, guys like either a Drew Holiday or Chris Middleton, and a lot of those free throws, he went, you know, one for two. So 
that's another thing looking forward to going in the game too. Uh, with Milwaukee getting a little bit more rest, you know, maybe they're a little bit better defensively, not fouling as much, so the game could be a little bit closer or the free throw line won't be as much of a discrepancy as it was for game one. So I look out for that too in uh, game two as well. Yeah, I think a lot of those fouls that uh, that the Bucks were committing, you know, they were kind of getting caught in the act, you know, where they ended up, you know, it, they weren't those ticky-tack kind of fouls where it was like, oh, there's a foul there, there's a foul there. Like, you know, the, the Suns were in the process of shooting or they were in the process of, you know, making a bucket and knocking down the N1. And that certainly didn't help the Bucks. But it seems like you and I kind of are on the same Patriots move. Um, it seems like we like the Bucks, you know, with the five and a half. We do have a little bit more work to do. But right now, uh, you and I seem pretty, pretty convinced that, you know, this line's not – it just doesn't make a whole lot of damn sense right now. So, uh, Smooth and I will go ahead. We'll lean that way. Uh, our player prop uh, that we gave out on CP3, that cashed easy. Uh, actually, our, our podcast we did going into this had a bunch of pretty good predictions. Uh, seems like Chris Paul right now. Smooth, I don't know what you thought, but I don't know if he was thinking finals MVP, but you and I expected him to come out and have a really strong game. And uh, I felt like, you know, he kind of took command and he he put himself there. Um, you know, we talked about Chris Middleton maybe being, you know, finals MVP too, but we didn't expect Giannis to come back and play. But, you know, if Middleton goes out and has that big game, uh, you know, he had, he had a big game tonight, 29 points. I mean, he was one of the reasons why the Bucks. You know, and they get blown out by 30. But I still think that those are probably the two guys that I would continue to go ahead and look at and target, you know, for that finals MVP wager. Um, and as I mentioned, I think maybe a prop that might be worth a look might be Brooke Lopez, maybe under his points, rebounds, and assists. As I had mentioned, this was the uh, lowest amount of minutes that he played uh, in the playoffs. He played 23 minutes tonight, and he played 23 minutes in like two other games. So uh, you guys might want to go ahead and take a look at that. And if you guys are a little bit late to the party, you guys could also go over to Betting Predators, take a look at the NBA Finals package that we have up. You get all our player props, you get our DFS plays. And I believe tonight we were almost plus like five units or something like that. So it was a good night for us. So go over there and go ahead and check that out. Uh, I believe it's like under 20 bucks or something like that. Or what I forget what Chris put it up for, but it was uh, pretty cheap. But with that said, you guys know where to find Smooth and I on Twitter, SleepyJ underscore pregame, at Smooth underscore 702. And at the best sports betting information site on the web, pregame.com. With that said, I'd like to wish you guys all the best of luck on your Wednesday. Enjoy the games.